Mr. Brandon, are you free? I'm free. I'm Jeff. And I'm Brandon. And this is That Does Suit Madam, a podcast about Are You Being Served? Hello. Hello, hello. Episode Day- four. What's that? Episode four. Episode four. I can't believe we've been doing this for four episodes already. Well, there's a lot more to go, so let's let's uh, it, not to get too tired yet already. <laughs> <laughs> what are seventy episodes? Yeah. <laughs> so How it's are you been doing? so it's been so cool, like uh, finding people listening to the show, and we're getting some listeners, and people liking us on our Facebook page, and giving us messages. So we love all the feedback we're getting. So thanks for that for all the listeners to. Say hello. So let your friends know. It's kind of fun to have uh, listeners to the show, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And keep those emails and uh, coming yeah. to uh, that does suit madam with an E at gmail.com. Totally. Hooray. So we have a really fun episode um, that we're going to talk about today called His and Hers. That was very, very breathy. Well, I'm trying to, being, I'm trying to be the special guest star that we, it's kind of like, um, if you haven't heard episode three, where we let you know who's a special guest star on this episode, it's we're going to like try to tease the audience. I think on this episode, like who is this mystery actress that people know? But uh, she was very young in this episode, wasn't she? She was very young in this episode. Yeah, I yeah. think she was in her, her in her late twenties. Oh wow! So if but you're not we... if you're not a huge fan and don't know every episode like Jeff and I. This right. will be kind of an interesting surprise when you learn who the special guest star is. Yeah. Can you, you, can you do another impression maybe from something that she's more famously known for without um, giving it away? Not, with, not in full sobriety, no. I'd have to be drunk <laughs> or stoned or something. Go. There yeah. you go. That's a, that's a hint. That's a hint well right done. there. Well done. <laughs> so um, when did this premiere, this episode? What are we so, looking at for time? So this episode uh, originally premiered on April 11th, 1973. Um, and it was a pretty slow week in the news that week. Uh, the most notable thing I think that people would be able to um, to recognize was that Pablo Picasso died that week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there were a couple of of other things going on with um, uh, uh, Eurovision that happened that week, but you know, this was the early seventies, and it didn't really get good until the eighties. So. And they didn't have oh, high-def te- no, television. No, <laughs> I, I, I take that completely back. The most exciting Eurovision was actually the next year in 1974, because that's when ABBA won for Waterloo. So you stay tuned after the show for the new um, That Does Suit Madam Eurovision podcast. <laughs> that, so Eurovision is like such a huge thing. Uh, last episode, we were talking about British stuff left and right. And we kind of made the joke that it's become like the British culture podcast because it's so steeped in it, which is kind of why we love the show. But Eurovision is like this, if you're from Europe, you already, or, or Australia, really anywhere but the States, you know what Eurovision is. But like in 20 words or less, <laughs> how would you describe what Eurovision is? 
because it's huge. It's a giant cultural thing, right? Right. So, so, so every every country has their own uh, uh, singing contest, kind of like an American Idol, but before it to like represent them in the contest. And then all of these songs go up against each other, and you've got people from home who were doing televoting and there are juries of professional musicians. And so they all cast their votes. And then you have this huge, long drawn out spectacle where all of the countries tally their votes live on television. And because it's all of Europe plus Israel and Australia, you've got like usually something like 35 participants and it usually takes like an hour and a half to get through all of the scoring. So it's like American Idol and Voice and all of those shows that I don't watch, but more important and almost worldwide, but... Plus all of the fun of election results. <laughs> so it's almost 47 years to the day when this episode premiered that we're talking about it. That's kind of cool. It would have been cool <sighs> if it was 50 years, but... Oh, well. Yeah. Well, time. maybe by the time we get to epi- uh, series <laughs> five, we'll be able to celebrate. Oh, no, that's not the way math works. Never mind. I don't know. I've um, never, I was an arts person in school, so I don't know what anything means about numbers. So anyway. Um, yeah, so Pablo speaking Picasso about not died, knowing yeah. about numbers, okay. um, we, we opened the episode looking at the shot of the lift. And so the counter has B for basement, G for ground, one, two. Oh, for the floors. But, for the, for for the, the floors. Okay. Got it. But Mr. Mash says that he's headed to the fourth floor. And isn't the store much bigger than that? Like, you've got the canteen, you've got the accounts department, you've got the boardroom. Uh, I feel like when Mrs. Slocum sets up her flat, she sets it up on the seventh floor. Like, that's a real big continuity error there. Um, you know, sets department. We're going to write the BBC. Dear Mr. BBC, we found an error. I don't know. We found a continuity error from a show you made 47 years ago. But I love in Star Trek if they have an error from, like, the original series, because I'm a big Star Trek guy, too. If there's, like, some writer who's, like, needed to get home to, like, have dinner with his wife, so he's like, just make it green or whatever. And then, like, that sets the story forever in the Star Trek universe, so they have to, like, conform to all of these weird things that they did. So, in I don't know, I could see if there was, like... Are you being served the next generation or something? <laughs> they would have to like, oh, yes, uh, Grace Brothers had an addition built on in the 30s that only had two floors. and Just to keep know. it in canon. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's very, so that's, that's a very Jeff thing to notice. How many floors are on the, 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 the lift indicator? <laughs> I'm just like, where's Mr. Humphreys? That's all I'm looking at on the screen. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's, um, it sort of starts like most episodes. It's like the beginning of the episode. Everyone's coming into work. A couple people, people are late. I love the cleaning ladies, Deirdre and Phyllis. Hillary. 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 Yeah. yeah. Um, and so um, Peacock has it out with MASH. And then Peacock takes it out on the cleaners. And then Rumble takes it out on Peacock. There's a little bit of this kind of back and forth going on. Uh, and then we see Humphreys and Lucas arrive in two different lifts at the same time. Um, and they have a little bit of a, you know, morning chat. And uh, Humphreys says, well, you keep a civil tongue in your head there, sauce box. And I thought that was an interesting little sauce insult box. I'd never that heard That sounds before. like something you'd find in the grocery store that you microwave and it has tomatoes in it. I don't know. <laughs> like, an, like a TV dinner? 
get I did maybe that's what I have for dinner. I don't know. What is so what is sauce box? Like your your saucy speaker? Exactly. Yeah, you're yeah. a saucy person that interrupts your talks over others. We it's don't do that box. ever. We never do never, that on the Never, I don't know what you're talking what? about. Anyway, as, as I was saying, yeah. That's called yeah. humor, folks. Yuma. I'm using Yuma. Yuma. Oh, that's that's a completely different show. Maybe once we're done with this, we'll go over. <laughs> we'll go down under and do a couple of episodes I think we just there. need lives. We watch a lot of TV. <laughs> but, well, um, unfortunately, that's all we can do right now. Uh, that's true. Oh, that's right. COVID week. Four or five, I don't know. I've lost track. No. I know I think I've been in the house for a month. It's um, day 25, I think, for me. Uh, and I started on the Friday the 13th. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. Again, hope everyone's safe. Hope everyone's healthy. If you have COVID, I hope this program, this podcast gives you a little levity and hope you get over it and hope everyone's staying inside, washing their hands, quarantine, all that stuff. So. And watching Are You Being Served and listening to That Does Suit Madam. Yes, 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 yes. So Humphreys and Lucas make their way out of the lifts and they realize, oh, the center display is gone. Not the it, center this, display, Jeff. This Don't is tell news me. making. The right? center display this, is missing. It's been there ever since Granger started. You know, Ugh. it's been the focal point for his trousers. When Moses so, was, was knee high. <laughs> And so, you know, they're all discussing it, and um, and Lucas uh, makes fun of um, Shirley for, for Shirley Brahms for coming in late, and he starts to imitate Captain Peacock. And so Humphreys and Brahms are signing in, and Lucas takes Mr. Ms. Brahms in his arms as Captain Peacock, punishing her, Eric for being here, late. For yeah. being late. And she giggles at the joke. You know, she's very receptive to him grabbing her and giving this, like, big dip as it's part of the joke. Now, we usually see them have this very adversarial relationship. And, they kind of go back and forth, don't they? Right. And so usually she's like, don't even touch me. Get away from me. Um, but then Peacock interrupts, and we've got a physical bit where Lucas just drops Brahms right on the floor. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That was – it's kind of – it's weird how they go back and forth with Brahms and, and Lucas. But I, I like it when she's saucy – not saucy, but like – you know, a little bit stingy to her, to, to him, rather. I like that. I don't right. like her being kind of, it just doesn't seem in her character a little bit. I don't know. To be flirty with him, right? Yeah. I mean, of course, no. this is only the third episode. So Fourth. Run oh, four. She, yes, fourth. Fourth. Yes, <laughs> hello. Again, numbers, arts, I don't know. Four. So. So, you know, Peacock is, you know, it's something that he expects from the juniors, but he says, Mr. Humphreys, I'm surprised at you allowing it. And then Humphreys comes back <laughs> yes. with, well, my hand isn't as firm as yours, Captain Peacock. <laughs> great little tiny zinger to whet our appetite for all of the great one-liners that Humphreys is going to have. There are so many, like, his hand. I love whenever whenever I want to make a joke about, like, being butch or, like, there's a guy I work with who will, like, come by and, like, slug me in the shoulder, kind of that jovial, oh, hey, buddy, kind of thing. Uh-huh. And whenever he does it, I always, like, rub my shoulder, like, ow, it hurts, you know? And um, I always think, like, Mr. Humphreys when I do that. <laughs> I basically, my personality is Mr. Humphreys. I've stolen it, so. <laughs> yeah, but, like, a lot of ri- limp, limp, limp wrist jokes come from that and all of that. Mincing kind of around, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Um. So it turns out that Mrs. Peacock is visiting her sister for a few days, mm-hmm. uh, which means Captain Peacock has to feed himself, right? Oh, well, you a know, man d- cannot do that by himself, of course. Do you think that 
Captain Peacock knows how to cook. <laughs> like, he might be able to open a tin of beans on toast, maybe. Um, but yeah. not, that's not what he's used to. So what does he do? Well, he starts asking women out on dates. He because asks he, needs Miss, to be, he needs to have dinner. He needs to have dinner, right? Oh and God. he can't be seen alone in a restaurant. Uh, you know, what will the neighbors think? And so he asks Mrs. Slocum out for a dîner à deux. Again, throwing that French around because he's so the posh. French around. Yeah. And so um, all of a sudden, Slocum, Mrs. Slocum notices, oh, no trousers. Well, are you setting the rules for the date? You know, I just thought it was a simple <laughs> dinner. So Granger comes in. He also sees the center display uh, is removed, and he requires a glass of water. So we get one of our glass of water bits. So is that the, uh, I was going to say, is that the first time we hear glass of water from Mr. Granger? It's not. There, there was one, I think, in the very first episode, but this is yeah. also not the only glass of water in this episode. Indeed it is. I, I remember that one. I love it. Someone, so someone else requires a glass of water a little bit later. <laughs> um, and so Rumble tells Peacock to dismiss the cleaners. Well, why doesn't Rumble dismiss the cleaners himself? But I know, because it's up, like he can't even speak to it's, them. It's, it's, so it's beneath him, and it's not, you know, his job. It's stay in your lane. It's not his job. Yeah. Um, but Rumbold ends up goosing one on the way out. Oh, my God. You I didn't know that. that. Like, she, like, she gives a little bit of a yelp and a little bit of jump, jump and you see Rumbold pull his hand back around with a little, like, innocent Mr. look on his face. I am terribly surprised at Mr. Rumbold. Weak as water. <laughs> Weak as <laughs> The water. whole lot of you. That's crazy. Um, so he starts to announce to the staff that um, they've made an agreement with the His and Hers Perfume Company to start selling their perfume. And he announces it being a boardroom decision. And, uh, and the, that's the first time we see them looking up, right? They look up. You know, because this is an audio medium, mm. we don't get to see them, like, look Jeff up Jeff and I are heavenly. both looking up. But just picture us looking up. You know, <laughs> an, an admirable heavenly gaze to where the boardroom is somewhere above the second floor. I don't know how they got there because the lift doesn't go all the way <laughs> on the roof. Um, yeah. yeah. But the, um, the, the respect that they give the boardroom, because those are like gods among pillars of Greece or something. You know, they, they have such respect for the, the boardroom. I love it when you actually see the boardroom and everyone and they go in and everyone's like don't, doesn't want to touch anything or sit with down with the red and... phone with the hot phone <laughs> that we don't know where it's coming from. Yeah, so funny. Different episode. Back to where we are. Yeah, we get it. We get ahead um, ourselves. So Mash delivers the his and her stand, um, and he gives a little you know a little quip to um, scandalize the the ladies on the floor. Where shall I stick it? Said the Sam collector to Mae West, and so. Um, <laughs> This is actually uh, a good example of a rhetorical device called a zugma, Z E U G M A. Or I love that you're teaching us a board. It's Z E U G M A, uh, and in <laughs> Greek it means a yoking together, like you yoke ox, like a binding together. Oh, okay. Um, and it relies on multiple meanings of words. So when you have a word that's a homophone that has two different meanings, like cold. Like temperature or uh, cold, That's Mr. Like Homophone to you. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, I just did so one. Was that just one just then? Uh, no. Ah, damn. It would have been so good if it was. It would have been, but <laughs> not so much. It's just a bad joke. Um, so in, in this case, relying on the, the two meanings of the word stick, right? Which we will s- not go into because the children. There are no children listening. You to never this. know. There might be some children. 
Our podcast is marked as explicit. Stay in school, kiddies. Stay in school. Are you Nancy Reagan? Stay (laughs) in school. Um, Anyway, it's uh, relying on the two meanings of the word stick, right? Because you Mm. stick a stamp on a letter or what he's, you know, suggesting that Mae West did. Uh, I think another famous example of this kind of um, Zugba is, I see, said the blind man, as he picked up his hammer and saw. Saw as the tool and also the past tense of see. Oh, I never got that until now. Again, yeah. arts major. I don't. Hmm. Okay. Well. So we got a so couple again, of other May West we, Zugmas from Mash throughout the episode. Another reason why this podcast deserves not only your acclaim but a five star rating is that Jeff <laughs> teaches us a word from Greek, a Zugma, and pronounces it correctly British by calling it Z E U G M A. Just saying, people. I mean, it, you know, we work for your for your affection, audience members. So, uh, well done. Oh, that's very that's very Jeff of you to explain that. I like it. Um, and the then, more of course, you know, uh, shooting star. Yes. Da, 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 da. So, um, so at this point, we he uh, Mr. Mash like runs away, and he's like off with you, Mr. Mash, and he goes away. Um, and then Mr. Uh, Captain Peacock. Start speaking to Miss Brom. Is it Mr. Miss uh, Slocum? Again, the names of the... You know, it's funny. I was going to say, I always get the names of the characters mixed up. But have you noticed that Frank Thornton, uh, who, the, the actor who plays Captain Peacock, he almost always hesitates when he there tries are, to say a character's name, right? Have you noticed there that? Are a, there are a couple of times where um, they screw up and it, and it didn't make it through editing or the director didn't catch it. Um, yeah. I feel like, um, I feel like they 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 um, they mess up Mr. Granger's name a lot. Interesting. Like I, I can't you know remember. what it was it, in in the pilot in in the lost episode that we recorded, but we never you know we haven't released yet. Um, they mess up his surname. They don't call him Granger. They call him like something else that starts with the G. Oh, interesting. Yeah. God. Anyway, so. Um, Captain Peacock doesn't know how he's going to eat for the next two days while his wife is in uh, visiting, visiting his sister. sister yeah. um, and in, it's the first hint at the Peacock's unhappy marriage. I mean, we, get, we see that a couple of times. Um, especially well, gee, when, I wonder why. Hello. Well, well yeah, womanizer, <laughs> and he's going to the Blue Cinema Club at night. Um, <laughs> you know, but you know, we definitely see that in, I think, the, the most famous episode where, or the one that stands out the most where they look at the unhappy mar- marriage is where uh, Captain Peacock is accused of send, spending the night with um, Stephanie and Carr Shalton. Uh, oh, or, um, yes, and there's a whole trial. There's the jury. trial, yeah. Oh, um, wow. That's so he's one. commiserating with, with Mrs. Slocum. You know, after 14 years, you don't know what it's like. And she just responds back, well, I don't know what it was like after seven Poor and Mrs. Slocum. We don't know what's happened to Mr. Slocum yet, do we? Mm, I guess not. No, it's still a mystery to to us, the audience. Um, yeah, it must come out maybe next series. But it's uh, is this is probably the first episode that really shows um, Captain Peacock's wandering eye and wandering other parts of his body too, right? Because I don't I think, think we every no he's. Uh, well, last episode we had the the customer coming out in her underwear. And oh, he that's was true. Looking over, but he he wasn't like putting the mac on. Unlike well, anyone. when when uh, Mrs. Slocum was getting dressed in her tent, he was looking over the window. Ah, uh, that's true. 
But yeah, this is like unabashedly, you know, like womanizer, like full well, he's, on he's Harvey Weinsteining somebody here. He's not trying to have a romantic liaison with Mrs. Slocum. He just doesn't want to cook and he doesn't want to be seen at a restaurant alone. <laughs> no, I think you're be- right. Because this is going to be very important in a couple of minutes, right? Um, so, uh, the bell rings, customers are going to come in any minute and, um, Peacock asks Locum to let him know later about the dinner date. All right. Mm. Um, and that's where we see the, his and hers rep, um, come off the left. Uh, and, and who is that? Shall we, shall, shall we let the cat out of the bag? I, I think we have to. I don't think that the episode's going to, uh, the episode's going to go anywhere unless we do. Is, there, um, is everyone tingling with anticipation out there in podcast land? Okay, Jeff, do it. Just just break open the bottle of champagne. Do it. Joanna Lumley. Oh, my gosh. It's, and it's who is that? By, it's played by Joanna Lumley, who is better known to most um, uh, most Americans as Patsy Stone from Absolutely Fabulous. Yay. Yeah. Um, so in this episode uh she was 27 very very young looking especially as compared to her patsy character mm, yeah. uh that she played 20 years later starting in the uh in the early 90s um she's got a very brightly colored outfit uh, you know a magenta um top with um some purple royal purple trousers which is yeah. a very stark contrast to like the dull cream and browns that um the other women on the floor wear yeah, it's yeah. it's almost just the color the color scheme. I'm gay. I use words like color scheme um, of her outfit. Just reminded me of um, Mary Poppins. You know the scene where they're in the cartoon and they're dancing with the um, the penguins and they have the very brightly colored outfits, okay. pink and purple and like white stripes and stuff. I don't know. It just it just seems very Technicolor and very. Like it is showing it is off indeed color. very technicolor. You yeah, know? and then and you're right. That... It's a very interesting thing how they they she looks so vibrant compared to the other women. And the men too. I mean, she's like modern, a little bit of modern London creeping into this old stuffy store. Absolutely. So and of course, do you think the folks are gonna like this new person? Probably not. <laughs> Just well, based well, on her clothes. One definitely does. Well, one, um, yes, it's true. Or maybe but, two. I, mean, I think I think it's also really interesting. Um, how the costumers on this show didn't rely on color blocking to uh, make the characters stand out, right? If you take a look at any other kind of ensemble comedy, maybe this is a device that came up later, but... Yeah, I'm not sure what that is, at, so I'm interested. Yeah, what is if that? If you take a look at ensemble comedies starting in the 80s or so, um, they'll usually give a color, uh, a character a color to uh, wear throughout the entire episode. Uh, we oh, see so you know you, who is who, and if you're so you like, know doing your dishes, who, right? you can look and eat. Yeah. So you if you see think, so if you think about the Golden Girls, for example, right? Okay. Very often, Rose will be in yellow. She'll have a yellow sweater or yellow something, and no other character has yellow. Oh, Dorothy now will, that you say that, that's really interesting. Huh. Dorothy will wear a green, um, with those great suede slouch boots of hers <laughs> with um, like some baggy like sleeves with dust, something with like a, a duster that's as lo- tall as she is yes right? of course um, and then no other character will be wearing green right so oh, every, interesting. Char- yeah, that makes every sense, character though. is assigned a color yeah. um and you would do the same Friends. thing on stage let's say because you, you you want it 
people to easily identify who's who. It's right. interesting, yeah. But, you know, Brahms and Slocum, they've got their uniform, mm. and all of the men are wearing a suit. So they're really, it really wasn't um, a, uh, a device that the, the costumers could use here in this series. Interesting. And now, now that's got me thinking. I mean, if you think of the set, it's kind of drab. And again, it's very drab. Again, you know, like we're coming at this from the year 2020 where everything's HD and everything's fabulous looking on TV. And maybe back then, like the cathode ray tubes were like so fuzzy and color was there, but you really couldn't. There wasn't a huge contrast. Maybe people didn't invest in sets and stuff because it wouldn't really look that vibrant as a finished product over the airwaves. But I wonder, maybe that's I always wonder, like through these episodes that we do, why do we love the show so much and why is it so special i wonder if the drabness of the visual of the show makes the comedy more important makes you know it what I mean? pop more well i mean I, I think that the i think that the technology of the, the time i think yeah. it's an interesting um an interesting approach but other shows of that era from the 70s um you look at Stuff like Doctor Who or Monty Python, even though it came them a little bit later. Yeah. But you look at Coronation Street, it wasn't I don't think it was very drab like that. You know, Corey, yeah, you're predict you're you're projecting working class in uh overcast London, but yeah. I think they I, I I don't know that I buy necessarily that the technology has something to do with it. I think it was probably a very intentional choice on the set dresser's part. Um, to show this really kind of stuffy, old-fashioned department store that hasn't been modernized. Because the rest of London is swinging. Like, Joanna Lumley comes in in her mod outfit. She's a she, part of modern London that she's somehow a breath escapes of fresh into air. It. Yeah. yeah. And so that Peacock makes me... is enamored. He is in love with her. He wants a date. He wants a romantic liaison. He calls off the date with Slocum. To try and get um, to try and chat up uh, the his and hers girl. Oh my gosh! And so he's he's very awkward when he's trying to talk to her. I don't know how I should put it. Should come right out with it. Um, do you have any particular boyfriend? And uh, Joanna Lumley, the great actress that she is, fires back with all of my boyfriends are particular. Which is like the sexiest thing that Mister that Captain Peacock. Just like starts giggling at when she, when she says that, and the fact that you know when you look at the episode, Joanna Lumley is twenty seven and she has these like crazy seventies eyebrows. If you remember, well, maybe not, but for some, for a lot of reason, well, a lot of women back then. If you think about how right now, like the nineties are kind of popular because it's like twenty twenty, so like thirty years ago, right? Um, okay, people kind of fetishize in a way like the fashion and stuff of 30 years ago. So in the 1970s, uh, seven minus three, okay, is the 40s. <laughs> so in this, if you think about like, there's a really cool Donna Summer album where it's called On the Radio, where everyone looks kind of like 1930s, 40s, and they have that the colors uh-huh. and disco outfits were like for women especially were kind of 1930s and 40s. So she has this really cool like, very thin, very high arched eyebrow, which as the gay man here, well, you are too, but you know what I mean. Well, I am too, but <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm more fascinated by like women's eyebrows fashion in the 70s, but I just noticed how like, oh, she's totally doing like the 30s, 40s look, which was popular in the 70s. So Yeah, I'm not quite that kind of guy. <laughs> you're the data, you're the gay data driven gay. Anyway. That's right. Um, anyway, she's got a boyfriend, so she can't go out to dinner with Captain Peacock, 
who then turns back to Slocum and says, well, on second thought, I don't think that people will talk too much, and she isn't having it. She refuses. Because poor Mrs. Slocum, she should not be second choice. She, should, she, she thinks that she is top choice. She is a top and shelf as looker. As she should be. Yes. As she should be. So um, the his and hers girl, who doesn't even have a name yet, uh, she's just referred to as she and that girl throughout the rest of the episode. <laughs> um, she wants to change out of her street clothes into her selling uniform. Um, Mrs. Slocum won't let her in the women's changing room or in the women's cloakroom. Um, she asks Humphreys what she can do, and Granger steps in and also refuses her any of um, access to the changing room. So she just gets changed right in the middle of the floor. And uh, Humphreys asks for a glass of water for Mr. Granger and a tranquilizer for Mr. Lucas. So I think we need to spend two seconds on tranquilizers <laughs> because that is a very dated thing. And I first learned about a tranquilizer when I was watching the Brady Bunch wedding episode. And oh. I was with my mom. Yeah, that episode. I didn't and realize that, that, that the Brady's, you know, took Milltown's. Well, well, here's the, here's the thing. So yeah. I was watching this episode, and it's an American episode, and culturally I get everything. But it was it's dated because it's from the 70s, right? So it's the episode where Mr. and Ms. Brady marry each other. Right. And <laughs> so Florence Henderson is speaking on the phone. There's like the, that block screen where there's like she's on the left side of the screen and he's on the right side of the screen. There's a line in the middle. And they're on the phone showing each other, talking to each other on the phone. Yeah. And he's saying, gosh, you know, what was her name in the show? I don't remember. Carol. Carol. Oh, hello. So, so he's saying, gosh, Carol, I just couldn't sleep last night. I'm so excited about marrying you or whatever. And she said, oh, Mike, that's okay. Just take a tranquilizer. <laughs> and I asked my mom, mom, what's... I was probably eight or something. And I said, <laughs> mom, what's a tranquilizer? And she said, Ugh. like she had to say... Well, back then, if people got a little up, uppity about something, they would take a pill that would, like, make them feel... And she didn't know how to say it. Like, right. So a what is a tranquilizer? <laughs> bar- yeah, so, like, if you're our age and you weren't around when tranquilizers were everywhere, it was like a street drug that was legal. You could get any prescription or whatever. I don't know. Well, I mean, right? I mean, there's Xanax today, you know? And when you first started talking about it, I was like, yeah, you know, all of these sitcoms made made light of that. Yeah. About Seconals and Milltowns and Valium. They were just thrown around like anybody could get a prescription. And I was thinking how dated that was, but Xanax is openly joked about and referred to today and that's probably just as controlled as I don't any know. of those I mean, other was, ones were. Was val- was, were tranquilizers really controlled and stuff? Or did like housewives go out and have a tranquilizer when they had their martini at night? And Well, I don't know. they definitely had a tranquilizer with their martini, but you still had to go to a doctor <laughs> and get a prescription. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't off the shelf. No, they weren't like, well, they weren't, Valium was not over the counter. Tranquilizers. Anyway, yeah. so that's what a tranquilizer is, children. So yeah. don't do drugs. Unless they're legal in your state. There we go. So um, I think what time, it's time what for time a, is it, Jeff? I think it's time for a tea break. You know, I was just thinking the same thing. I could I could love a lovely cup of Earl Grey. So Jeff and I are gonna nip down to the canteen. I might have a cheeky toad in the hole. We'll see if the manageress is, is having one of her better days. But we'll be right back. Ba, ba, ba. 
Hello, Unanimous. This is Mr. Brandon. And this is Mr. Jeff. Did you wake up this morning and think, how could I support my favorite podcast while also letting the world know that I'm a proud member of the Unanimous? Does your morning coffee vessel leave you feeling neither one way nor the other? Perhaps your smartphone cover fails to confirm your charm, personality, vitality, and youth. Worry no more. Visit our That Does Suit Madam online bargain basement shop. They've just come in. You could buy your very own That Does Suit Madam official tote bag. A handbag? Or an official podcast sofa pillow. Perfect for hiding your Paddington bear. We sell a fashionable face mask and a celebrated coffee cup. And of course, t-shirts. But don't worry, you'll find the sleeves right up with wear. Support your favorite podcast with some That Does Suit Madam merch. All at imfree.threadless.com imfree.threadless.com And you've all done very well. Uh, and we're back. And so let's keep on talking about this episode. Um, All right. Yeah. So uh, we get another the sleeves will write up with wear joke. And um, uh, they say, don't worry about the color being too bright. It'll wash out in the rain. It's really Great. not an are you being served episode if, so, if they don't say the sleeves will write up with wear or write down, right? I mean. Several times. Yeah. <laughs> A couple right. times. Um, so, so, uh, so what is the, so the his and hers girl who has no name, they, they have, still she, has no name. They have such disdain for this poor woman, this young girl. Um, so she's trying to like make a living. She's trying to do what she needs to do. Get her, get some, get some cash. Um, but what happens? How, so how she, do the, how do the people treat this poor, poor person? So she's, um, she's getting her stand ready and she's putting up, um, neckties on the center stand. These are the most god awful neckties I have ever seen. Now hold on, Mister. It's I thought they were seventies fab, but it, I understand that it's nineteen seventy three. But you've got this weird scalped pattern with this pink and peach and raspberry color that just don't go together. They're way too close together. I'm gonna. All, I have to defend this, the tie. The, the half of the audience is with me. Half of them with you. We'll just have a battle. We'll have a we'll have a dance off sometime. That's uh, weak as water is what I say. Let us know on Facebook or on Twitter (laughs) or over email. Do you you like like the the his and hers tie? Yes or no? I'll make a Facebook thing. That's what we'll do. There you go. Yeah. Um, So anyway, the the staff are all (laughs) figuring out that um, she's giving away either a free tie or a free pair of stockings with a purchase of the perfume. And Granger and Slocum are so upset because it's going to affect, you know, their, their trade. So they go to Captain Peacock to complain. Um, we, we cut to Mr. Mash, who's helping to set up the his and hers display, and he gives us two more Zugmas. There's the word of the day. Um, ding, let's ding, hope ding. we don't have a short circuit, as Mae West said when she picked up the midget. Another inappropriate word Inappropriate. Today. And then he doubles down with, I suppose it'll take a few minutes to warm up, as Mae West said to the Eskimo. Yet another inappropriate word today. Mr. Mash needs to get some, like, some lessons of some kind. Yeah. He needs some no. sexual harassment training. He needs yes. some cultural sensitivity training. Yeah. Yeah. Bad boy. So, uh, his and hers girl tur- uh, starts, uh, turns on a recording, uh, which Captain Peacock hears, 
And it's a woman's voice who is obviously recording and selling the perfume. And it's Joanna Lumley's voice. She's doing the, the um, voiceover for well, it. Well, luckily for us, I actually have a recording of Joanna Lumley's voice doing it. I have, a, I have the, the, the reel-to-reel recording that I bought on eBay <laughs> from London. The actual one of the episode that they play on film. I can play it for the audience if you think, or, or we can just move on. Let's just let's keep let's let's do it. What do you think? Yeah, too much. So, so that was she, me passive aggressively asking if you think I really should do it, and I really want to. Yeah. So look, we're going to listen to it. <laughs> All right. Let me just let me just uh, turn on the switch. Okay. Here we go. Don't move, you man. You cover your body with me. <laughs> You're sophisticated and dangerous. You're slightly aloof. Yet you have a hint of pulsating... I can't even do it. I shouldn't have... Mm. Yet you have a hint of pulsating virility. Pulsating virility is hard to say. Try it at home. Pulsating virility. You're wearing his, the man-sized perfume. I thank, think you, those, thank you. I, I it was worth the three thousand dollars de- I paid for that. It was those worth tapes it. must have deteriorated on the <laughs> way over. You uh, man, you. You man, you. I should make that my ringtone. Don't move, you man, you. What's the thing on RuPaul's Drag Race where they have the the people who imitate celebrities? The snatch game. The snatch game. They need to do an Are You Being Served snatch game. Wouldn't that be so fun? I would die. Wouldn't that just? Wouldn't you just like slogan. spontaneously combust? I have been wait. All right, so sidebar. <laughs> here. Sidebar. I'm, I'm not even. Gonna, we just had season 12's um, snatch game last week, but I'm not going to talk about that. I want to go back to last year. Another podcast. I I have been dying since this. They started doing snatch game in season two for someone to impersonate Joanne Worley because she was the queen of the game shows. She oh, was. Okay. She was in laughing. Um, uh, she had the big bouffant hair, uh, dark hair, dark eyes, you know, a contrast. Um, she always played off of Goldie Hawn. Uh, they were, you know, scene partners usually. Okay. Um, but she was the queen of the game shows in the eighties and she was so emotive. You know, uh, I, you know, one of the things that she would always do on pyramid in the, um, in the bonus round is if she wanted to pass, she wouldn't just say pass. She'd yell, turn it. Because the guy had to like turn the dial or turn the uh, the Chiron um, to get to the next clue, and it just anyway. Nina West did uh, a combination: Harvey Firestein and Joanne Worley character. Oh and my god! I don't, I don't think that she did the Joanne Worley justice because it was just very. Uh, we're going to turn the snatch game into password, and it was, it was mediocre at best. But continuity problems with the snatch game, Jeff is saying. If there are any queens out there that yes. are auditioning for season 13, if, it, if it's able to tape this summer, or UK season two, whenever that starts, please do a Mrs. Slocum impersonation, and you will have our undying gratitude. Yes. I mean, if there is not a more drag queen um, potential character ever thought of, it's Mrs. Slocum. It's Mrs. Slocum. Yeah. Oh, my God. That would be so, so much fun. Anyway. Um, back to the program. Then back to the program. And then we hear um, – but then we hear the other recording directed to 
uh, the ladies. And Humphreys is the one who hears it, and he's just grinning and blushing. So Mr. The Humphreys is time. like tending a mannequin. He's fixing a tie or something, and then behind him, um, <laughs> there's this rather like butch-sounding British voice recording saying, "Stay just where you are. Don't move a muscle." And then you see Mr. Humphreys kind of like turn around and like give this face of like oh almost (laughs) breaking the fourth wall not quite a little bit he does look into the camera just a second yeah but then he said and then the voice says if you want a real he-man just like that and of course the audience is laughing their heads off because it's talking about being gay and mr humphreys is sort of like smiling at listening to this voice which is a recording sadly they laugh so much you can't really hear what the recording says after that but then he says, the recording says, just let me caress you. Who am I? And then Mr. Humphreys gives this inquisitive look like, yes, who, who are you? And then he says, I'm hers perfume to attract the perfect him. And then he looks so disappointed. And then what happens? Who comes to his rescue? And then Lucas gives him a glass of water for Mr. Humphreys. Glass of water for Mr. Humphreys. And then he drinks it. <laughs> Which is so cute. I mean, if that's not like... The first straight ally portrayed on TV. I don't know what is. There's a P-flag teachable moment in there somewhere. Good old Mr. Uh, Lucas. Anyhow, um, that was and so then cute. We, and then we get the his and hers slogan. Keep your chappy happy with something snappy. With his and hers perfume. And Look, I jo- have it written Joanna- I have to do it. I have to do it. Yes, sir. If you're wearing his. And yes, madam, if you're wearing hers. You can see instant res- you'll You will be sure of instant results. Well, that's a good slogan. And remember, this week only, you get amazing free gift. For him, a tie. Yes, a tie in these gay, irresistible, his colors. And I love that, like, the announcer is kind of American. And then, for the lady, a fantastic pair of garter grip stockings. They never let you down. Keep your chappy happy with something snappy. I love it. I love that. That's Keep your Trevor chappy ba- happy. That's Trevor Bannister doing that voice. Because later on, there's a gag later on where he's uh, in person, where he has to, to, to uh, repeat it. It's the same voice. Oh, is that it's, really? It's, I never, it's, it's I his never American announcing voice. Yeah. It's anyway. so cute that he does it all American. <laughs> How and much does... I will say this real quickly. I think um, like the British imp- impression of Americans is we pepper language needlessly with words like absolutely incredible fantastic awesome amazing if you notice in the little ad that he reads um they say the word amazing free gay irresistible fantastic uh yeah so it's sort of like super american the way he he writes that no i don't know um so how much does his and hers cost <laughs> Eight, today's special prize, 85p. But now, I don't know what that, the hell that means. So so with inflation, right, because this was almost 50 years ago, that would be about £10.35 today, which mm-hmm. is about $13. So we're talking like the price of drugstore cologne. Or even, even cheaper, right? I mean, maybe 70% right. of drugstore cologne, right? Because I, I, I think you'd have to pay at least $20 for a yeah, reluctance at your bucks. CVS. Oh, he totally didn't catch that, listeners. He said you'd have to pay 20 bucks for reluctance uh, at CBS. Reluct- oh, you know what? Okay, so yes, thank you. <laughs> reluctance by Paris Hilton. Try it today or yesterday. 
I don't know. So that was the, yeah, I totally didn't get that. So do you remember how on the, if you listen to the last episode, um, what was the name of the episode last time? Episode three? Camping in. Camping in. Hello. I went on this long tangent where I was trying to like, we're talking about World War II and, and all of these things. And I was saying, you know, there's this great movie <laughs> that um, is all about World War II and you learn about, you know, how horrible it is and all of this stuff. And I just, for the life of me, could not remember the name of the movie. And the whole point was ruined because I couldn't remember <laughs> it. So we, I called it Reluctance. Reluctance. Is that the name of the movie? It was like a word like that. So then we made like a fake perfume, Reluctance by Paris Hilton. And anyway, so that's what the joke is about. So go and listen to episode three if you haven't heard it. But I researched it for you all and I found the name of the movie. So it's, this whole thing is a, a waste of everyone's time. <laughs> the movie is called, now remember my brain, I said Reluctance. <laughs> the name is called Atonement. <laughs> Atonement. Reluctance. There's like, you, there's something you it. feel bad about, and you're trying to like emote emotion it somehow. I kind of, I, I can kind of see my how brain, your, people. your brain, your synapses fire. Atonement. Like, so go that. watch Atonement. Learn about what World War II was like in London. The end. Okay. Anyway, Call so back. Mrs. Slocum and Mr. Granger <laughs> are really angry. She's drawing customers away. Um, they don't know what to do because they can't go to Captain Peacock because he still wants to date her. They can't go to Rumble because he'll just back up Peacock. Yeah. And we get Mrs. Peacock, weak as water, weak as water. <laughs> the She's whole lot of you. Sensed, right? Yeah. So Granger is a little, um, a little crestfallen here, and he starts quoting Henry II, um, the, the play Henry II, because he played Beckett, the Archbishop of Canterbury, in the Grace Brothers production of Murder in the Cathedral. How absurd is it that this department store has its own <laughs> drama club? Of course. They've got, they've got a ping pong club. They've got a social club, like an American Legion. They've got a retirement home. Well, you know, back then, like, companies took care of their people. But you know. it's a cheapo company. Uh, no, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. But, but he says, Will no one rid me of this meddlesome priest? Which I don't really know Shakespeare at all, but it's it's what a lot of people will say when they'll say something like, "Gee, I would it would be terrible if the CEO were to slip and fall and die," but they're not saying, "Go kill the guy, will you? Go kill the lady." They'll just say, "Wouldn't it be terrible if this happened?" Wink, wink. So that's kind of yeah, the so, whole thing. So for those Mr. Lucas, Shakespeare people out there, Mr. Lucas starts to hatch a plan to arrange a little sabotage. Uh, and then we get an act break and we see that Joanna Lumley is still attracting a crowd. And Mr. Humphreys remarks that Mr. Lucas's plan isn't going down like a dose of salt. I didn't um, know what that means. Neither did I, but it turns out that that is, um, they're talking about Epsom salts. So they're talking about a laxative. Oh, and so that's why, that's why Granger is so, okay. is so shocked. He didn't give her a dose of salt, did she? Like, that was his plan to, like, make her have to dash to the ladies. No. Oh, my God. That, that makes – that whole thing makes so much more sense now. I, don't, I, I would surmise that that's an old-fashioned phrase too. Right, right. Right, yeah. So Lucas's – Mr. Lucas's plan is actually to speak over her recorded announcement. We get one of those 
really high-tech props of a mannequin's head with a microphone just jammed into the no, skull. No, that was a fancy-looking prop, man. Yeah. And so the... Uh, <laughs> it wasn't the, real. The recording comes on, and you're slightly aloof. And then he counters with, well, bald is a cult, bald is a coot with only one tooth. And the customer is, is scandalized and, like, um, uh, runs off, right? Yeah. Um, so there, a couple more of these go through, and the, the customers are scaring away. And Joanna Lumley is upset because someone's interfered with my tape. Peacock goes to help, ends up unraveling the entire thing. Next thing you know, everyone is in Rumble's office quibbling and robble, 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 robble. <laughs> Uh, trying to recreate how this happened. And of course, now, and of course, Mr. Rumble gets it the first time completely. He's so sharp. Yes. I'm really, I was actually really, really surprised that we don't get a lot of that who's on first play with Rumble that we usually get. He, it gets to the point really quickly. Oh, I was joking, but I guess for, Rum, for, for Rumble, that was quick. For Rumble, <laughs> for Rumble it was relatively quick. You're right. Mm. Um, because we need to get to the punchline that his and hers is actually a subsidiary of Grace Brothers. So Joanna Lumley being here wasn't ruining their sales at all. And so, you know, I found it very appealing. Didn't you find it very appealing, Mr. Lucas? Yes, I did find it very appealing. What about you, Ms. Brahms? They do that thing where they go down the line. It's like the yes um, men of, of any company. They're like, they just agree with the boss, whatever they say. Right. Da, da, da. Yeah. And then finally it goes all the way up to Captain Peacock who says, well, the gym slip was very eye-catching talking about her <laughs> the gym slip. When right. I was a kid and I watched this episode, I didn't get what a gym slip was, but I, I know now know is – it's like a very short little sports dress, which is what right. Joanna Lumley is wearing in this episode to show off her lovely uh, garter belt stockings. Like something that Sharon would wear to netball. Yuma. I'm using Yuma. Anyway. That's um, another show, I think. I know, uh, but to, I, uh, I, I think we've got a little bit right of a crossover audience. Dial to the right continent, more like it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But anyway, they start to realize they've made a mistake. They've got to make it up somehow because young Mr. Grace is going to come down to see how the campaign is going. So at the very end, they're all demonstrating the product while Lucas is narrating in his own voice. In his American. And so we get totally in his American accent, right? I and love so it. They I get love it that. when they all do the coordinated sprays of the, of the aerosol scent. Of the aerosol. And it, I, I kind of, if I were to ever... I'm not a theater guy, but I think it'd be so much fun to put on, to recreate an episode of Are You Being Served on a stage with actors. And they have done that. If you Google search, like, Are You Being Served set or something on Google Image, you'll see lots of, like, high school productions and college where they'll have, like, some guy or, like, some woman in a horrible, like, purple wig, and she, clearly she's Mrs. Slocum. But I think it'd be so much fun to make the set of the his and hers booth. In like that very seventies font they use, and I think know, if you're going to go through the trouble of recreating um, a, a sketch from "Are You Being Served" for like a, a, a variety show or a talent night, I think you'd have to do something that has a dance number in it. So either where they they're doing, um, <laughs> which there were the, a lot of them, the ballet practice, the ballet, for, yeah, that's a good one for the the Christmas um, skit where they have to do the dance of the toys. Um, or the German Week dance. The German – that's going to be such a good episode. That's coming up. I don't know when, but, man, we'll have to pr practice our German pronunciation. But that was the end of the episode. I mean, it was sort of – this stuff happened, and there's a little joke here and there, but you can tell, like, the big zinger was 
Joanna Lumley, and while she's pretty, and then they have this weird, like, territoriality thing. Right. The old-timer, like, Mr. Granger and Mrs. Slocum were like, no, this is our floor. Again, like I keep saying in the episodes, this building is all these people have. Like, they don't have lives. They don't have, like, families, a lot of them. They just have this job, and their whole world is this little society. So what happens when something changes completely? They're, they're going to hate it, you know, which is so cute, which is, yeah, which is what would that, happen in life, right? And I think that's why this is one of, this was a little bit more of a blase episode, except for the special guest star, because there was no conflict within the characters, right? Yeah, it was interesting, had, though, that like Captain, or um, sorry to interrupt you, but um, uh, Mrs. Slocum and Mr. Granger actually came together. And exactly. They, that's exactly whole, what I was going to say. wholeheartedly agree. Which right? never happens. They so never agree with each other. And here's yeah. something where they're um, where they're on the same page and they're working together to get rid of um, Joanna Lumley. And, you know, I don't think... I think that um, there was something missing from the episode. I think it owed a little bit because they... Um, you didn't have that conflict. And you didn't have that conflict with um, Lucas and Brahms either about um, her fending him off. Right? They were actually playful together in the beginning of the episode when he was dipping her and then dropped her. I don't know. Maybe it's interesting that these first couple of episodes that we are taking the time to kind of digest everything and like have a good amount of time to think about all the jokes and the writing and the history and what was happening back then. Um, episode uh, Season six, seven, you sort of can predict what the characters are going to say before they say it. I think at this well, point... Well, I mean, right? that's, that's true to Which some part point, of the but... charm. That's true at some point, but also remember that when we get that far along, we've got multiple people filling the role for the senior sales assistant because they all end up dying in real life, yeah. unfortunately. Mm. We should have an in-memoriam. Oh, that's – I was going to say we should have an in-memoriam episode, but it would be everyone. It would be everyone. Every single person. Oh, that's if, Every single main character because the um, – uh, the canteen manageress and the nurse and Mr. Spooner are still alive. Okay. But none of the original cast and none of the senior replacements. This was 47 years ago, and they were all at least 20-something. Right. Well, some uh, of them were like older, in their 40s. Older, yeah. Yeah. So, so. but... Um. Anyway, so that was episode four. Um, and then next week, we've got the end of series one. <gasps> you know... British TV, short short seasons, man. So, yeah, next week we've got episode five, which is Diamonds Are a Man's Best Friend. Uh, this is the one where the customer promises a reward for finding her missing diamond. Oh, and they all yes. think that they found it. So hilarity will ensue. So how many episodes for this season? So that would be... That's five, five for season one. Five episodes for the whole year. Yeah. Wow. It, it didn't come back until 1974. They took a whole year um, to write it and um, and shoot it and produce it. Yeah. So thanks for listening to That Does Suit Madam. And we'll be back with you next week for the season one finale, Diamonds Are a Man's Best Friend. You can get in touch with us on Facebook or Twitter or write us at that does suit madam with an E at gmail.com. Or you can call the hotline at 662-PEACOCK. That's 662-732-2625. 
and share your favorite Are You Being Served story or tell us what you want to hear. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. See ya. That Does Suit Madam is not endorsed by the BBC and it is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Are You Being Served is a copyrighted program of the BBC. Please allow four to six weeks for delivery.